0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day. All bills all the time. And now Matt Bovee and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo.
2: Well, Chiefs Week means that we got to talk to some people who know a thing or two about the Chiefs. We are joined by Dan Portillo and uh, Trey Lawrence from the Fastest 40 podcast. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me. I very much appreciate it.
3: Absolutely, man. Appreciate you having us on. Yeah, you
2: better so Looking boy. forward to this. So, boys, what's the vibe this week? What are people thinking? What are Chiefs fans kind of feeling this week? Dan, we'll start with you.
3: There's definitely an air of confidence. I'll put that out there. You know, it's like, obviously, for the Chiefs, this has been a down year offensively for Patrick Mahomes and and company. And, you know, kind of relying on that defense. I think we've kind of bought into that mindset that we're not the teams of old. (laughs) Old, put quotes around that. It's, uh, it's really just been a different shift in the way that we win games. But I think there's a lot of confidence amongst Chiefs Kingdom in general um, about how we're going to perform at least.
2: Trey, how much of that is tied to the performance against the Dolphins in the wild card, and how much of that has just kind of been building? Because I'm sitting at home. Obviously, the Bills game gets moved. I'm watching the Dolphins Chiefs game. It was never even in doubt, and the score probably didn't even indicate how close the game should have been. I mean, the Chiefs should have won probably by 30, just they kind of stalled out in the red zone a little bit. Was that what people needed to see? Like, hey, the offense is good. We know the defense is good. Or has this been a little bit longer of a time coming from maybe, you know, the people who actually followed the team and are fans of the team?
4: No, I think it was a complete flop from what we've seen all season, right? There's been a lot of, you know, hesitation and buying in on this team all season. And once we saw that kind of come to a head here in the playoffs and everybody saw that Chiefs team that we've seen for the last five or six years, everybody got that same feeling that we had had for the five or, last five or six years. So I think the win over Miami definitely, you know, brought Chiefs fans to a, a more of a confidence factor there. And I, I think there's a lot of excitement to go on the road. There's a lot of conversations outside of Chiefs Kingdom about can't Patrick Holmes do it on the road. But I think there's a lot of confidence and, and excitement within Chiefs Kingdom to go out there and, and experience that as well.
2: So, Dan, for me, as I've watched the Chiefs this year, their defense is exceptional. I know it's been six straight games. They keep opponents under 20 points or less. They're just rock yeah. solid on that side of the ball. What has been different? about them this year is it personnel is it the way they're being coached why is it feel like now that's just as much their bread and butter as maybe their offense
3: yeah I mean if you look at it too the defense on paper is the youngest in the league just the average player age for our starters so I think a lot of it's just them being able to gel finally we've drafted spent a lot of draft capital on on picks like McDuffie, Karloftis and so on and so on and finally, those guys are building up enough chemistry and getting those opportunities that maybe they didn't get in years previous where they were buried a little bit on the depth chart be- behind guys that we've seen leave in free agency, whether it be, you know, Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark, uh, Kendall Fuller and, and years past having him. So finally getting that where, you know, these players get drafted, they're homegrown, they've grown in Spagnolo's system. I think you get a better feel for what he's expecting of you whenever those game plans are put together. I think that's the biggest contributor. Obviously, we've had some standout performances, some guys that have were rookies last year taking that leap forward, Karloftis with 10 sacks, uh, McDuffie all, first-team All-Pro at this point at, at, at uh, slot. So, And then, of course, Lajarius Sneed with the biggest uh, snub of all time, I think. <laughs> and, and At least as far as Chiefs players, I think should have been All-Pros or Pro Bowlers. Um, just seeing those players in particular take the leap, a couple of savvy free agent signings definitely supplement that. But um, for me, I think it's just the fact that we've grown grown these players internally and they've all kind of grown together. So that chemistry, that communication, that's just really pushing it a step forward.
2: When you talk about McDuffie, I think Bills fans wince a little bit because a lot of Bills fans thought he was going to be a Bill, and then the Chiefs ultimately get him and they panic, trade up, and get Elam, and their careers have gone very different ways since everything there has happened. <laughs> Elam had a so, good play, though. <laughs> he had a good so he had a good play, but the context of so before the play, he got called for a DPI, and then he got beat over the middle, and that kind of put yeah. him in. Listen, it was still a huge play. It's still definitely
3: redemption. Managed.
2: Redemption exactly (laughs) and funny enough the last time the Bills played well not the last time but last year when the Bills played the Chiefs at Arrowhead in the regular season Elam had an interception against Mahomes in the red zone so I don't know what it is but maybe he just likes to play (laughs) in these bigger games I guess we shall see Trey Spags kind of put Joe Brady, the Bills interim offensive coordinator, in his back pocket the last time they played, especially in the second half. The Bills offense scored 14 in the first half, and then they scored just six in the second. Now it turned out to be enough. But for you guys, how creative has he been to kind of get the most out of the personnel that they have? Because it feels like he's probably top tier when it comes to defensive coordinators.
4: Yeah, for sure. And, and what he does specifically with the secondary in his in his blitz packages is, is, you know, like you said, top tier, there's nobody really does it like him. And you don't really see a lot of guys in the league outside of the Chiefs that, you know, Jerry Steed with several sacks this season, Trent McDuffie with several sacks this season, Brian Cook with several sacks this season. So, you know, guys like that who typically don't have those you know pressures on the quarterback throughout the season spags is able to dial that up and, and create that but he also does a phenomenal job with just the front four and be able to create pressure with just the front four and there's been a, a highlight clip from the dolphins game i don't know if you guys have seen yeah where they they ran that you know two high one high and then back to the two high you know all pre-snap and so i think things like that have done a great job especially against guys like like tua who um don't necessarily have that playoff experience and you get that next level experience there, next level challenge with with coverages like that and pre snap co- coverages like that. All
2: right, Sal is back from ah. switching his cover oh, because gosh. alternate street parking after a blizzard is not necessarily ideal. So no, Sal, one oh question goodness. I want to ask them before we kind of get to the offense is, Dan, are there any weaknesses? We've talked about how great the Chiefs defense is. Where can they be exploited? Where could there be an area where the Bills maybe have an advantage?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing that glares at me as far as a weakness for us is our run defense. We're not always on top of that in particular, right? Where our strength comes is pressuring the quarterback, making the quarterback force bad decisions on the secondary. Uh, we're not really good at generating turnovers either. Uh, that's something where we struggle a little bit. So, you know, with Jock Allen, just his turnover history and everything that goes into that, um, You know, there is potential for us not to really push him into those areas where he's, you know, throwing some kind of an errant throw. Um, Or or if he does throw it, there's not a good chance we're going to come down with the ball. So, you know, those those areas in particular, I think with the run game, you know, James Cook what he's been able to do so far for you guys. That's probably the thing I'm most concerned with, as well as Josh Allen's scrambling ability. Just generating those yards on the ground is something that, you know, we could be a little bit better at. Uh, We were good at stifling the Dolphins. It was minus 30. So I don't know how much of that was, you know, where the weather assisted us. But, um, you know, that's definitely uh, one of the few holes that I think our defense has where, you know, we could be exploited a little bit.
1: Hi, guys. Good to talk to you. Good to see you. So my apologies for jumping on a little bit late. So just a quick story. It's I don't know how it works in Kansas City. I live in the city of Buffalo, the actual city. And I don't have a driveway. That's like The houses are kind of right next to each other. And we, we have to park on the street. And it's alternate street parking. Every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays on the left. Thursday, Fridays on the right. Weekends, holidays, wherever you want. From 9 to 4. Well, with a driving ban, because of the snow, no one really has to move their car because no one's expected to be out there driving. Well, the right. driving ban was lifted and my wife says to me right before we go on here you know your car's on the wrong side of the street right i'm like oh my gosh so i had to get outside i had to switch the car you probably don't have to deal with things like that in kansas city or matt up there no. in Britain Island.
2: no exactly that is a that
3: is a problem i think unique to to buffalo and, <laughs> and some other bigger cities with snow <laughs> we don't get uh the lake effect here
1: <laughs> no and yeah. i will tell you though I've, I've lived in this house for um 12 years i've probably had a close to maybe I'd have 15 tickets or something like that and it adds up but you don't want it to happen but it does happen you forget sometimes things like that happen so I apologize for that I don't know what you've covered so far but I did have a question I wanted to
2: ask go ahead just defense Sal. we've just talked to defense I figured I'd save the good (laughs) stuff for you
1: (laughs) oh Chiefs defense well I, I do have one question on the Chiefs defense when I think of Steve Spagnuolo this year I do think of a lot of blitzing and has that been his calling card because you know that is also a way that teams have Gotten to Josh a little bit towards the end of the year, especially New England bringing some pressure. Um, you no, know, Miami tried a little bit, not quite as successful. They had to manufacture that, but is that what really the calling card has been is go after the quarterback with some blitzes?
4: Yeah, I, I would say so. I think that's and not new to this year either. I think Spags has done a really good job with that the last several years that we've had him on our team, and I think um, it just continues to grow. And <laughs> kind of like what Dan said earlier with growing these guys. Internally, these young players that we draft internally or, or pick up from another team, uh, we he does a really good job of developing these guys and bringing them in and making sure they fit into a spot where they're comfortable on the defense. You know, he doesn't really put guys in in uncomfortable situations. He makes sure that they're able to perform where he expects them to perform, and I think that's where he's he grabs you know he grabs somebody and and really makes. Maybe a 6 round pick come out and shine where where nobody else would have seen that guy.
2: All right, Trey, great. thank I you mean, very much. Yeah, I really yeah, appreciate go. you joining us. I know you got to go. We'll keep Dan for a little bit longer, but enjoy the game this weekend. And thank you, really, we really appreciate all
4: it. All right, guys. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity.
2: See you, brother. Of course, Dan, Patrick Mahomes, he's a Pro Bowler. He's an all like everything, <laughs> but it feels like from the outside, nobody is denying Patrick Mahomes is still the best quarterback in the league is it all the receivers is that why their numbers are not nearly as good or does he deserve okay. any of the blame
3: i i have a hard time blaming patrick mahomes for anything because of everything he's brought our city and uh you know with and it's more than just what he does on the field it's off the field too so this guy has like an aura around him right and it's almost like he can do no wrong but when you look at it at a more detailed level you can tell he is you know, lacking confidence in our guys in certain situations. And I don't want to shift that to the wide receivers necessarily, but he needs to throw the ball the same way he would throw the ball in any situation. And you can tell he's maybe floating it a little bit too much or under throwing somebody or, you know, whatever the case might be. It's, it's definitely some of his throws have been errant, you know, and, and it's where guys are having to catch behind them and guy can't be perfect all the time. Right. There's going to be some flaws here and there for sure. Um, But I think what we've seen, at least with the Dolphins game, was a little bit of a confidence boost and more trust. Like he hit MVS on a on a five yard slant. And there's been situations where guys are wide open and because of what they've done previously. He's not throwing the ball to them. So we've seen a little bit of a shift in that in this last playoff game. And I'm hoping that we can use that as a foundational piece to build more trust as we move through the playoffs, especially going against you guys. We can't, uh, you know, it it can't be a situation where he's underthrowing somebody and, you know, we're giving Jordan Poyer or somebody an easy pick. Like we, (laughs) we just don't need that. Um, That's where we really kill ourselves too is, is with those turnovers and, and Mahomes has had a career high in interceptions. So uh, those are all those are all pieces I think are worth noting for sure. There's a little well, bit of
1: blame. <laughs> well, look, I mean, I do think that there's good reason the receivers, I mean, it's been mm-hmm. well documented this year that you know they lead the league in drops and things like that. I mean, and you know, you see Mahomes, he puts the ball in the money sometimes, and your guys just haven't come up with it. Kadarius Tony, you know, he's had times he yeah. really struggled, he's been in and out of the lineup. I know that, but the guy that's come on here. Is Rashi Rice, really? I mean, what has he been able to do for this offense, especially late in the year with the way that he's been able to kind of come out and become <laughs> more of a trusted factor and receiver for Patrick Mahomes?
3: Talk about a saving grace, man. I mean, even, even Travis Kelsey had three drops in that game and has had multiple end zone drops. And, you know, I don't know what it is with with him necessarily and and his woes. Maybe it's an injury, maybe there's something that really is nagging him that's causing some problems. But Rashi Rice, man, just seeing his Elevation. He's the most productive rookie receiver that Andy Reid has ever drafted in terms of the rookie season, the highest receiving yards, the highest touchdowns, highest receptions. And he set those marks for the Chiefs franchise as well. So seeing his emergence and knowing that we have a really solid piece going into next year's offseason, knowing that that's like the main project. Right. Anytime. And I'll give Brett Veach some credit for this as well. Anytime we have a downfall. Uh, whether it be our offensive line going against the Bucks in the Super Bowl or whatever the case is, he's been able to pump some resources in there and get that problem turned around. So Rasheed Rice, I think, is a good piece for us to keep moving forward, to give Mahomes that that uh, confidence that he's going to need going against the Bills, but also something that we can build off in the future too. So I'm I'm loving everything I'm seeing from number four.
2: I want to eventually get to Kelsey, but I think probably most Bills fans know that Rashi Rice will be the number one target, at least wide receiver-wise. Who else, though, do Bills fans need to be concerned with? Because I know Sky Moore's window has been activated, but I have no idea if he's going to play. I know they all know about Katarius Tony, but he wasn't even active last week. I think Justin Ross has been banged up, so I don't think he's really an option. And MVS is the guy that at least most fans, probably outside of Kansas City, immediately go, Oh, he's the dude that dropped that really big pass that he probably should have made. Is (laughs) MVS still target number two or is there somebody else who's emerged in that role?
3: In the passing game, I mean, uh, you know, talking about the wide receiver group, I was hoping that we were going to get McCall Hardman involved more in the last playoff game, knowing, you know, some of those guys you mentioned weren't going to be playing Tony Sky Moore uh in particular <clears throat> but i think justin watson is that sneaky number 2 target in those situations where he's catching you know something big over the top at least once in those games whether it be a 15 20 yarder i think that's big for our offense this year and then you know some of those key receptions whether it's like a third and 8 catch like uh, with the way our passing game has worked so far this year if you get four targets if you get three targets you're likely second highest receiver targeted so it's a very low bar in terms of what that looks like. But Justin Watson, I think, is is that guy that would emerge over a Tony over a Sky more uh, unless we're looking at red zone and, and getting somebody involved in a screen pass. Like definitely worry more about Hardman, worry about more about Tony or more in those situations. But just between the 20s, I think it's going to be Watson for sure.
1: That being said, sorry, that being said, uh, Andy Reid has never met a screen pass he didn't like, right? I mean, he could throw screen passes all day. (laughs) They like to get traditionally the running backs involved in that regard as well, especially when Mm -hmm. McKinnon was available and playing. But what does that look like out of the backfield? Those guys getting involved in the passing game.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
3: Well, in the backfield, McKinnon still not going to play. You know, he's unfortunately dealing with that injury. Clyde Edwards Alaire, we've seen a little more production from him. I've actually been kind of pleased with what I've seen from him. But, you know, Pacheco obviously wasn't active for that game last time we, we met up with you in the regular season. So, You know, with the passing game in particular, he's going to catch maybe one or two screens at most in a game. But we typically do not run that part of the offense through him. We're giving him those ground and pound yards and letting him earn the hard ones. Um, You know, for the running backs in particular, uh, I don't know how much that they're going to get them involved in the passing game, in the screen game. If it is, I think it's definitely more of a Clyde Edwards-Alaire situation where they're putting him out in open space as opposed to Pacheco. Pacheco, I love the guy, right? He <laughs> runs hard. He's very physical. But once he catches the pass, I feel like there's a rev up to get him actually going where it's like you're winding a toy and then it's like, okay, now we're going to go. And so for him, I just don't know if, if scheming up a plane for him that starts three, four, five yards behind the line of scrimmage is really a good call.
2: Is Travis I'm Kelsey sure he
3: probably feels that way too?
2: Is Travis Kelsey? I know he is still their number one target, and I know that probably until he doesn't play football anymore, he will be the number one target on that team. Is it concerning the lack of productivity? Is it, I guess, like a weird I guess how do Chiefs fans feel about it? Because I think going into all of these other playoff games that the Bills have played against the Chiefs, everybody always circles Kelsey. Okay, if you stop Kelsey, then we like our chances. But I don't know if necessarily people feel the same way right now.
3: No, and I don't think Chiefs fans feel that way either Um, in terms of him being, you know, you stop Kelsey, the game's over. Because we're winning games where Kelsey is getting 16 yards receiving, 25 yards receiving, whatever the case is there. It's definitely been a little bit of a paradigm shift for us as fans to watch the offense and not see Kelsey get those yards after catch that he, we typically see, you know, it's, he catches the ball. It's almost an immediate tackle situation. Um, we had a really good yard after catch play against you guys, but Tony was about a foot off of uh, a foot off sides <laughs> in that one. Um, but other than that, you know, we really just haven't seen that a ton. And I think, you know, he's 34. He's getting to that point in his career where, you know, you start slowing down. Father time is undefeated. That's, that's the phrase, right? And so I think we're starting to see that, you know, maybe it's time to plan for the future with that position. I don't know if Noah Gray's that guy or what that might look like. I really wanted us to take Kincaid personally. I think that kid's a freaking stud. But <clears throat> with everything that we've seen with Kelsey, right, he didn't get the thousand yards. It's, it's, it's going down to, you know, kind of a regression a little bit. And who knows? Maybe he comes back for for you know age thirty five season and pops off again, puts up another twelve hundred. And it's and it's funny to talk about this this way because a down season for Kelsey is ninety catches, nine hundred eighty yards, and five (laughs) touchdowns. You know, so um,
1: it's the same thing we say about uh, Stephon Diggs, right? Like, where's where's the production? He's got one hundred seven catches on the year.
3: (laughs) Can we give the guy a break? (laughs) He's not going to catch one forty six every year. All right.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you're right. You're right. And I do wonder though. You go back to the opener when he really – he got hurt right before the game and he missed mm-hmm. a couple of days of practice. And Eric Wood, our color analyst on the radio broadcast who you know, used to play center for the Bills, he's talked about this before and said, look, when you have an injury early in the year and you don't really get a break and you're grinding every week, mm-hmm. that can just – maybe maybe he just never fully recovered because every week you never get that reset kind of. And I do wonder sometimes that maybe that's something that he's dealing with because on top of age yeah. – that can happen. And look, Jason, it looks like he's going to retire. So there's a lot of questions about if Travis and Jason would walk off together in the NFL.
3: That was our fear. I think coming into this season is like, you know, are these guys, they're really close. Obviously they have bright futures off the field. Once they, once they call it quits, Jason, when he officially calls it quits, I guess uh, we'll, we'll have that opportunity. So, you know, that's, that's something where we're like, okay, if Kelsey decides to to hang it up, you know, we retire that number eighty seven. Is he gonna? You know, what's our plan from there? Um, right. You know, that's that's up in the air. I think for sure now he's come out in another presser recently and addressed those questions because he did that that spread and I think Vogue, or something like that, a Variety, one of those magazines, <clears throat> and he said, you know ask the reporter who asked the question about retirement, he goes, don't you think about retirement, too? Am I the only one who isn't you know, <laughs> focused on eventually retiring? Right. And so I think making light of it and, and just saying, you know, I'm going to be here for the long haul is is a nice vote of confidence. But, you know, guys retire all the time without warning. And, uh, you know, that's that's definitely something that we're, we're looking for,
2: you know, going to keep our eyes open for. Dan, the last one for me is, if the Chiefs win this game, why? And if they lose this game, why? What do you think?
3: I love this question. This is what we do for every game we cover on the Fastest 40. So, you know, if we end up winning, I think it's because we forced Josh Allen into a few turnovers. I think that's going to be the number one key to stopping you guys because... You know, even the only reason the Dolphins had a chance against you guys in that last game of the regular season was because of those three early turnovers that they forced. And, you know, if we're able to do that, then we can build on it in the next stage, which is just being disciplined and not getting those penalties in key situations. So if the Chiefs end up winning, it's because we didn't stall out a drive in the red zone because of a Jawan Taylor hold, or, you know, we didn't uh, falter, on third and eight with some sort of a holding call and bring back that conversion. So I think being disciplined in that regard is a big piece. And then the third step is executing in the red zone. We left 12 points on the board against the dolphins. In my mind, those three of those four field goals should have been touchdowns. So executing in those situations and getting those, those plays over the pile, over the, uh, the plane there in the end zone is going to be big. Now, if we have go ahead. No, you're 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 good. Go ahead.
1: Uh, I was going to ask you about the t- – you brought the tackles and Taylor. And, I mean, I think yeah. a lot of the talk this week has been those two tackles. Can they hold up, especially in an on-the-road situation where the yeah. environment's going to be much different than Arrowhead, obviously, where communication is going to be a little bit more challenging. Any concern on that front?
3: Yeah, I mean, we've never played in Buffalo with Mahomes and that crew while <laughs> fans have been in the stands, right? right? It, it was right. COVID. The stadium was totally empty. So it's going to be a new environment. And, you know, these guys have played in a couple of hostile environments so far, right? Uh, Mahomes has played in Seattle at Lumen. Yeah. And so just making sure that all of those guys are on the same page, Jawan Taylor being the key focus there, because that guy jumps <laughs> at home. So <laughs> just making sure that we're good to go there is going to be big for sure. Um, I am a little bit concerned with Donovan Smith. He's had lingering neck issues. Um, so making sure he stays healthy, too, is going to be big. Definitely. And
1: Wanya Morris who filled in for him was in concussion protocol, but I believe he's been, he's already been practicing this week. So I would yeah, imagine he, he should be cleared. So,
3: yeah. I would expect him to be cleared for sure. Yeah. Definitely already suited up and, and practicing out there. Um, So yeah, the tackles definitely a big concern. And I think if, you know, we end up winning it's because, or what well, did I answer the losing first? Sorry, we got off yeah. <laughs>
1: you answered the winning yeah. and said, you need, if you get turnovers,
3: Yes, if we get turnovers that's going to be the big one. If we end up losing this game, I think it's because you guys force some turnovers on us, some timely turnovers, get Mahomes to feel, you know, that lack of confidence in that receiving group, and then also just exploiting that hole in the defense that I said earlier. We saw what your guys' offense can do when James Cook gets heavily involved. And you know your offensive line is really strong. I've always I've always appreciated the Deion Dawkins. You're already know University, and anytime <laughs> he comes up, um you know everything you guys are doing up up front, you have a lot of really good players, Mitch Morse being an ex chief you know love to follow him a little yeah. bit too but that uh that james cook that's that's the piece that I'm the most concerned about. I feel confident about Sneed and McDuffie and their ability to sort of limit Stefan Diggs. Gabe Davis is he going to play or not? I haven't seen up any updates on it. Up so I mean that's that's going to be another piece too that I think will play into what your game plan looks like, but if you guys are coming in if if you know the, what the Bills do, they're really I feel like they're really good at exploiting those weaknesses and defenses and I feel like the run game is going to be a big piece of of your guys's puzzle uh this week and if we end up allowing, you know, James Cook to pop off for 125 150 yards, I wouldn't be surprised to see the score in your favor at the end of the game.
2: That is Dan Portillo from the Fastest 40 podcast. Dan, tell everybody what you got planned this week if they want to hear more about like the Chiefs side of things and then obviously everything else around the NFL.
3: Absolutely. No, I appreciate that. You know, we're going to be live at a local bar here in Kansas City uh, a few hours before the game. So that'll be on the Odyssey YouTube page going live. Um, Just kind of talking about Bills and Chiefs and, and figuring out really what we need to do uh, from a game plan perspective to get the win and advance to our sixth straight ASC championship game. So hopefully we can accomplish that. <laughs> otherwise otherwise, you know, I wish you guys the best of luck. If we're gonna lose to anybody, I'd rather it be the eventual Super Bowl champions. I do have a good respect for for Josh Allen and what the Bills are building over there and and um, you know, I think McDermott gets a lot of a bad rap too. So um you know, we'll see how everything everything rolls out this this Sunday. I wish you guys the best of luck and uh, appreciate it. What a gentleman! Thanks, Thank you, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, guys. All right, you got I it. Too.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.